This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. to entitled today's message, Responding to the First Christmas. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse number 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph went also from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his spouse, wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, that the day was accomplished, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And it shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said unto one another, Now let us go into Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary pondered, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen that was told unto them. As you can imagine, this very first Christmas for Joseph and Mary, probably everything didn't go according to plan. I remember my wife and I, when we, we first got married, our very first Thanksgiving that we'd ever had together. Uh, we started dating in January. We got married in May. And so this was literally our very first Thanksgiving ever, uh, sharing a meal together. And so it was kind of exciting. And uh, my wife's you know, newly married. She's excited about having her first Thanksgiving dinner. And so uh, she gets the turkey and gets all the things set up and uh, all the food, a big, huge spread of food. And so I don't really put a lot of thought into it. For me, uh, man, Thanksgiving's going to be a long weekend. I don't have to go to work and uh, sit around and be lazy kind of the, as far as my thought process has gotten. Well, my wife has gone into full Thanksgiving mode. Uh, and so she's uh, baked a turkey, uh, had it in the oven. She has, you know, uh, stuffing and uh, green beans and green bean casserole and uh, corn. Uh, she's made a pumpkin pie. I mean, she's just really gone all out and overdone it. And so I wake up on Thanksgiving morning. She's been up way before me getting this massive spread of food ready. And um, I walk in the kitchen, and I go, wow, are we having people over today? She goes, no, this is just for us. And I was just like, that's a lot of food. And uh, she's like, yeah, the, the turkey's going to be out in just a little bit. And I was like, man, I don't really care for turkey. And she was like, what do you mean? And I said, I, don't, I, I still to this day hold this theory. 
nobody really likes turkey. You eat it out of obligation for tradition's sake, right? You just have you just have it at Thanksgiving because nobody's just like, ooh, what's for dinner? Ooh, let's have turkey tonight. That sounds good. Nobody ever says that. They say, hey, let's grill burgers. Let's throw some steaks on the grill. Uh, let's have bacon for dinner. You, you do, do that. Nobody chooses turkey on purpose. And so I said, I don't, I don't really care for turkey. And she was like, well, I've baked an entire turkey. Well, you know, I'll have a piece of it, I guess. I just don't really care for it. And she was just like, and I got corn, I got green beans, I got a casserole, and I said, I don't, I don't really eat any vegetables at all. And, and she was like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, everybody eats corn. I don't eat corn. I don't like corn. What about green beans? I don't like green beans either. And she was like, are there any vegetables that you eat? No. Um, like, I'm, 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 I'm a meat guy. Like, meat and potatoes, that's all I need. I don't do vegetables. To this day, I, 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 anything that's healthy for me, I blend it and drink it because I just don't like to eat it. And so... Um, then she says, well, I said, well, at least here's dessert, right? What do you got for dessert? She's like, pumpkin pie. Okay, secret. Nobody likes pumpkin pie either. Nobody. Like, did you make some, could you make some with chocolate? Or, and, and so we're in the kitchen, and she begins to cry. Right? And like me, you know, 46-year-old me looks back and goes, wow, what a jerk you were to your wife. 21-year-old me is just like, it's Thanksgiving Day, and I've got nothing to eat. Like, like are you kidding me? And she begins to cry, and it's just like, Oh, my goodness. And again, this is how emotionally sensitive I was to, to the needs of my wife. Oh, my goodness. Are you really crying over turkey and vegetables? Like, it's not that big of a deal. But in her mind, she had this picture of what Thanksgiving would look like, uh, and it didn't turn out that way. Now, needless to say, this past Thanksgiving, we grilled steaks, and they were awesome, okay? Um, but we, we figured it out over the years. We have our Thanksgiving traditions now that we always do on Thanksgiving. Uh, but that first Thanksgiving didn't necessarily go according to plan. Uh, I had in my mind the way things would work out. She had in her mind the way things would work out. And it didn't work out that way for either of us, okay? If you imagine the very first Christmas morning, Joseph and Mary probably have a plan on how their life will wind up. And it probably didn't include Joseph being, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old and finding out that his wife-to-be is now pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That probably wasn't in Joseph's plans. Um, Mary, when she thinks about having her first child, she probably doesn't think about having her first child surrounded by animals and laying her child in a feeding trough to be able to sleep at night. Probably not the way that she had it pictured in her mind. Now, you and I look back at that first Christmas morning and say, oh, how beautiful, there were angels and singing and things like that. But if you look back at the reality of it, Mary's probably being woken up after she's probably not gotten a lot of sleep. The kid's laying in a feeding trough, and these strangers show up to say, hey, we've been watching sheep all night, but we, we heard from an angel that there's a kid. Can we see the kid? And you're like, wait, What? And so then they begin to relate this story, these shepherds do, of this heavenly host, this angel who came and told them where they could find this child and exactly where the child would be laying, exactly how the child would be dressed, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they begin to tell this story. If you take a look at verse number 19, verse number 18, they that heard these things wondered. Everybody's just like, what? I can't believe it. No way. They wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So if you and I can learn anything from the Christmas story this morning, first of all, I want you to see that Mary remembered and pondered. She's thinking back not just about this angel that's appeared to these shepherds, but she's thinking back about the, the angel that appeared to her 
and told her that she would bring forth a son. And she says, how can I do this thing as I've known no man? I've never been with another man before. How am I going to have a child? And the, the angel tells her, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, and this thing that will be brought in you will be a work of God himself. And as Mary hears all these stories, everybody's just like, no way, like angels and singing and stuff like that. And Mary didn't say anything. She just sat back. She remembered and she pondered. I want to encourage us, church family, this time of year, as we think about all the craziness that's going on around us, as you think about like, oh, did we get enough presents? Did we get enough stuff? And as this season gets crazy, I want you to stop for a minute, and I want you to remember and ponder everything that has nothing to do with the commercialism of this holiday, but everything that has to do with Jesus of this holiday. I had to, (laughs) on Friday, I had to stop by the mall real quick and pick something up. If you can imagine what that was like. I, I thought to myself, hey, I've already been running other errands. I'm just going to run in really quick and get a couple of things, and, and I'm going to jump right out. I go, and I think to myself, I'm not your typical mall goer. Like, I know how this whole thing works. I know where the hidden parking is. I know where there's, like, holes of parking that other people don't know about. I've even been known to park in the 15-minute uh, restaurant parking when I'm not going to a restaurant for 15 minutes. Uh, I confess that sin to the Lord already, so I can confess to you. I, I was being deceptive. That was, that, that's a sin, okay? Don't do that. Uh, but I, I thought to myself, there's nine floors at Alamoana. There's never anybody above floor three, ever. So if you go to, like, floor seven, it's just going to be wide open. Like, you could, like, do donuts up there if you want to. There's nobody there. Uh, and so I go, uh, go immediately up the ramp, up to level seven, and there's cars waiting with their blinkers on, waiting and circling around and, like, stalking people as they're walking out to the car, riding really slow behind them and stuff like that. And on the seventh floor... I'll go to the 8th floor. Go to the 8th floor. Exact same thing. Ninth floor, wide open, not even any covering up there. But you go up there, and it's full of cars. And I think to myself, this is nuts. So <laughs> I get the bright idea. I'm just going to go back and park here and just walk over, right? So I'm going to cruise down really quick from the parking garage, come back around here on Kona Street Park, and I'll just walk over there, right? <laughs> it took me 45 minutes to get from the ninth floor down to the ground floor so that I could actually drive up. It's just craziness. And then I had to walk over there, and I'm walking over there, and there's zigzags of lines of people. There's some stores that there are people waiting outside. You won't even let you in yet to get your stuff. It was absolute madness. And in that type of chaotic world that we live in today, somebody at some point, and it should be the Christian, should say, hey, stop with all this craziness. Let's just focus on how good God's been. And so when Mary thinks, she ponders. Pondering always leads to praise. As we think back in the last 12 months of our life, I hope you have some things to praise God for. I hope as you look back over the last 12 months, over the last 24 months, the last 36 months, you can look and see the growth in your own life and your walk with God, the things that God's been doing in your life and the life of your family, ways that God's shown up for you in ways that you didn't expect or didn't anticipate and ways that he's just been really, really good. It's easy for us to look over the last 12 months and complain. Man, you want to complain, I'll sit down with you. We can, can, can gripe for hours. i got lots of gripes to talk about. But you know that complaining is the opposite of praise? Praise says, I want to remember what God's done and, and thank him for it. Complaining just says, hey, God didn't come for, through for me in the way that I thought that he would, and I want to gripe about it for a minute. Because if you think about it, at the root of complaining is saying, God got something wrong and he disappointed me. I had an expectation, and God just didn't seem to come through this time for me. That's what complaining does. But praise is the opposite. Hey, I had some plans, but God exceeded my plans. I had some thoughts on the way that I thought things would go, and God did even better than I could have possibly imagined. And pondering will lead us to praise. 
I love Psalm 77. I got a, a couple of verses from Psalm 77 in your notes here this morning. Verse number 11 says this, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of the work, all thy work, and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. I love Psalm 77 because it breaks out what God does into two different categories. There's the works of God and the wonders of God. The works of God are just the average, ordinary things that God does. The sun came up this morning. God did that. You still got breath in your lungs this morning. God did that. Uh, you got up and you came to church this morning to worship Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Who did that? God did that. Every good thing that you've got in your life, who gave that to you? God did that. If you had a kid that came up here and sang this morning, God did that. Had some kids that memorized the verse of the Bible. God did that. You say, well, God hasn't given us kids yet. Uh, God's given you a lot of other things that you can say God did that for. And so if we remember just the works, just the average ordinary things that God has done, uh, that's the works of God. But then the wonders of God are the miracles, the times where God came through where you thought that nobody could come through. There's the things that you never thought would happen that God did those things. And some of you, some of us, look at the kids that were up here this morning, you say, that's the wonders of God. Uh, for us, we had a daughter that we up here this morning that said a Bible verse and, uh, that we prayed for for six years before she was ever even born. That's the wonders of God. That's God coming through when you thought that nobody could come through. And we need to remember those things the Bible says. Not just just the, the, the totally awesome, off-the-chart things that God does, but also just the things that God does on a regular, average, ordinary basis. But we need to remember. And if we remember and we ponder on the things that God has done, it will lead us to a spirit of praise. And I want to encourage you this morning, before this year is out, before you step into 2024, to find some time over the next seven or eight days and just praise God for how good He's been this year. You say, well, everything didn't go according to plan. That's fine, but there's a lot of things that God did this, this year for you to bless you, to help you, to encourage you, to grow you. If you're doing it right, you should be able to look at the last 12 months of your life and see growth in your Christian life and just the grace of God at work in your life. Take time to ponder. Mary had a lot of gripes for sure. She could have sit and talked about, like, I don't want to have my first kid like this. Like, my parents aren't here. We don't have family here. Uh, these smelly shepherds just showed up in the middle of the night and want to touch my kids. Like, I don't even know these guys. She had a lot to complain about, but you know what she did? She pondered those things in her heart. Like, wow, God has done something amazing, and God will continue to do the amazing. Next we see is uh, verse number 21. And when the eighth days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, so which he was named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So next we see that Mary and Joseph gave what they had to God. They didn't have a lot. You know, biblical theologians and historians tell us that they were probably been late teens, 16, 17 years old. They didn't have a lot. Uh, they weren't really wealthy. Nazareth was known to be a very, very poor, small town. And so these were kids from a small town, uh, didn't have a lot, probably had a lot of plans for life, but so far nothing is working out according to their plan. They didn't really have a lot, but what they had, they gave to God. They, they take Jesus to uh, the temple, and they offer him to the Lord as, as uh, belonging to God. 
you have a, a child, you should have at some point, if you haven't already, you should do it now. Dedicate your children to the Lord, not in a formal ceremony where they bring you up on a platform, read a verse and give you a plaque and uh, things like that, or even where someone stands over you and, and lays hands on you or something like that. But you should at some point let God know, hey, God, these kids that you've given me, they belong to you. They're not mine. I, I want to do everything that I can with these children to honor and glorify you. And so I don't have kids, so I'm kind of off the hook. No, no, no. Now you need to take everything that you have in life, every single one of us that we have, and say, God, everything that we have belongs to you. God, everything that we have, you've given us. The Bible tells us uh, in James chapter uh, 1, verse number 17, every good and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If you have anything good in your life this morning that you can praise God for from step one, just know this, in step two, God gave it to you. If you have two nickels to rub together together this morning, God gave it to you. If you're going to have lunch today, God gave you lunch today. If you got a job, God gave you that job. Oftentimes I'll hear people say, well, I got my job by myself, by my hard work and blood, sweat, and tears, and you know, I, I, claw, I clawed my way to the top. You might have. But God gave you that job. God gave you the ability to keep that job. And your ability to claw your way to the top was given to you by God and God alone. You have nothing in this world that you did not receive from the hand of God himself. And so the Bible says we should praise God for it. I, lo I love what uh, James 1.17 says as well. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is called the Father of lights. Uh, God is light, the Bible tells us, and in him is no darkness. But that variableness, neither shadow of turning, means that God doesn't have a good side or a bad side. God is always good. God is always light. Uh, God's ways are always best. You might say, well, it doesn't feel like the best. Uh, God always knows what's best for you. And so whatever he's given you, the best thing that you can do is just offer it back to him. Hey, God, how do you want me to use this? God, you give me children. How should I raise them for you? Hey, God, you give me a home. How should I use that to glorify you? God, you give me a job. How can I be salt and light in my workplace to draw people to Jesus Christ? Uh, God, you've given me money. How can I bless other people with money? God, you've given me favor. How can I use that favor in a way that honors and pleases you? Uh, Joseph and Mary says, God, we've got a son, and it's not a lot, but we'll give him back to you as an act of worship. Whatever they had belonged to God. And so they didn't have much, but what they had was God's. You might say this morning, well, I don't really have a lot. Good. Whatever you got, just give it to God in, in submission. And so I, I'm encouraging you to learn from the life of Mary and Joseph. Mary was put in a position where she didn't fully understand what was going on. But you know what she said? I know that God's good through this. And she just remembered how good God had been. They didn't really have a lot to offer God. But what they had, this child, was now belongs to God. And God used Mary and Joseph to to raise Jesus up so that Jesus could eventually uh, die for our sins. And so God had a plan in that as well. As we read on through this story in Luke chapter 2, take a look at verse number 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So this guy here, Simeon, is unique. Because if you understand how the, the, the New Testament works, the Holy Spirit will not come upon every Christian until the book of Acts. Until after Jesus has already uh, suffered, bled, died, buried, uh, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. Jesus' last words, Acts chapter 1-8, tells them, wait here until the Holy Ghost will come for you. And once the Holy Ghost comes upon you, take the gospel worldwide. So now we find a guy by the name of Simeon who has the Holy Ghost upon him. This is a unique guy. 
Uh, He's special. And he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Bible tells us in verse number 25, verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so God told him, Hey, Simeon, you're not going to die until you've seen the promised Messiah, the one who will save the people from their sins. You're not going to die until you see him with your own eyes. And so, verse number uh, 27, it came the Spirit into the temple. Then he came, Simeon, by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do him after the custom of the law. So again, Mary, uh, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to offer him to the Lord. And at that same time, Simeon is at the temple at that same time. Again, not a coincidence, both of these people being led by the Holy Spirit. Verse number uh, 28, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word for mine eyes has seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. See, now we have a guy. Again, if you want this story to get a little bit more interesting, Mary and Joseph come to bring all that they have, this child, to God, and to God, this child belongs to you. They're in the temple, this guy named Simeon, who's been promised by God that he will not die until he sees the Messiah. And they happen to be at the same place at the same time, and now Simeon sees this child, and he takes the baby and holds it. Now, do not ever do this at Hulikala, okay? Don't take somebody else's baby, ever, under any circumstances whatsoever. We'll call the cops on you, okay? Keep your hands to yourself. Don't touch other people's kids. But Simeon did this, and, and so he takes this child, and he tells everybody, hey, guys, I can die now. I can depart in peace because mine eyes have seen the salvation of God. And this child will not just be a light to lighten the Gentiles. He will be the glory of Israel. And what do Mary and Joseph do? They're like, what? What are you talking about? Because again, Mary and Joseph know some of these things, that, that they're going to give birth to the Messiah, that this is of God, that, she's be, that Jesus will be born of a virgin. But the, the idea that this child will be a light to lighten the Gentiles, but what did Mary and Joseph do? They just trusted God's plan. They didn't fully understand everything. This wasn't the path that they would have chosen for themselves, but they trusted in the Lord. And again, They're shocked by what they hear. This wasn't the the path that they had set up for themselves. This wasn't their direction that they thought that their life was going to go. But this was the plan that God had, and this was the will of God, and so they just trusted it. I challenge you this morning that the path that God is leading you down at times will not make sense if you do it biblically, but I'm encouraging you just to trust God. God's not going to tell you what the end destination is. He's probably just going to tell you what the next step is. We oftentimes want to know what God's will is so that we can know where this whole thing winds up to figure out whether or not we want to follow God or not. Hey, God, tell me where this thing ends, and I'll tell you whether or not I choose to follow it or not. But the Bible says that God doesn't work that way. Psalm 119 tells us that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. A lamp doesn't, doesn't illuminate the entire destination. A lamp illuminates just the next couple of steps. And so God is doing a work in your life now, maybe down a path that you didn't anticipate or maybe a path that you don't even want to walk. But God is walking with you down that path, and he's asking you to just trust him.
Mary and Joseph, if they were given the opportunity to see the end of the destination, probably wouldn't have chosen this path. Hey, your child will be falsely imprisoned. He'll be beaten within a half inch of his life. He'll be publicly humiliated and executed at the hands of sinful men. Man, who wants to sign up for that? Not them. But God just says, hey, one step at a time. Take your child to the temple and give him back to me. And they did. And then the story begins to unfold that Simeon says, oh, now I've seen the salvation of God. Now I've seen the light of the Gentiles. Now I've seen the glory of Israel. And I can die a happy man, Simeon says. So you and I, there's going to be times in our life where our, our life doesn't line up the way that we think that it should. Again, Joseph and Mary, they're going to pay taxes. Uh, their travel that they would go on this, the back of this donkey would probably be about 70 miles or so where Mary is great with the child. Uh, she goes into labor, is going to have a, a baby, but she can't find a place to have the baby, so they put her in, in uh, the manger area where the animals would feed, and they place their baby in uh, a manger now, feeding trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes, which really would have been grave clothes, the only thing that they could find to wrap this child in, and they laid him in a manger. And in the middle of the night, these strangers come and says, we heard from an angel that the baby was here. Can we see him? And they came and worshiped him. And they take their child to the, the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. And some stranger takes the baby and begins to speak words from God over this child. And what was Mary and Joseph's response? God, we don't understand it, but we're just going to trust you. I ask you to have the same attitude towards God in your life this morning. God, we don't really understand it, but we're just going to trust you. Jesus was called the salvation of Israel. He was called the salvation of mankind because Jesus came to save you and I from our sins. If you hear nothing else that I hear what I say when I say this, you and I have broken God's law and we stand in danger of God's punishment. That's what we deserve. You and I deserve that the moment we take our last breath here that we'll be separated from God and be punished in hell. That's what we deserve. But God sent his son Jesus for one purpose and one purpose only, to save you from your sins. Jesus came to suffer, to bleed, and die on the cross as payment for my sin and yours. And if you'd be willing today to put your faith and trust in Jesus to save you from your sins, you could be forgiven. But you must believe that you're a sinner. You must believe that you deserve God's punishment. You must believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And you must ask God to save you from your sin because of what Jesus has done. And if you do that, friend, you'll be saved in a split second. Best gift you could ever receive on Christmas Eve 2023 and every year after that will be faith in Jesus Christ and the gift that you can receive when knowing your sins are forgiven. You see, might say, well, I don't really understand what that mean, means. I don't understand what it means to be a Christian. I don't understand what that's going to look like in my life. And I'm not sure I can leave my sin behind. I'm not sure that I can do this for the rest of my life. I would just ask you to do what Mary and Joseph did. I don't understand all of it, but I understand what God has said. And I'm just going to trust him with the rest of the journey. And so if you're here today and there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, I want to encourage you to do that today. How do we apply today's message to our own life? First and foremost, I want to encourage you with this. Praise God for all that he's done this year. If you have a time to stop and ponder between now and the new year, and I highly encourage that you do, just think about how good God has been. As I look across the, the room this morning, I see stories of people's lives. I see how God's been at work in your life. Some of you to heal your marriage. Some of you to heal your family. Some of you to bring you through times of great grief and give you peace. Some of you that God's brought you to salvation this year and faith and trust in Christ. Many of you have made decisions to walk with Jesus to a greater degree this year. And I see that fruit at work in your life. Look back and praise God for all that he's done, but begin to ponder what the path ahead looks like. 
my wife and I started walking with Jesus probably 23 years ago now. We've both been saved as, as children, but really began to figure out what our faith looked like as adults and now married adults with a family. And we began to figure out what that path looked like for us. And we made a decision 23 years ago that is bringing forth fruit still even today, this week even. We made a decision that, God, if you ever ask us to do something, the answer to that question will always be yes. Very simple. Very simple. It was an act of submission. God, you're in charge now. We are not. Whatever you say do, we'll do it. And I'm telling you this here this morning. You're seated here at Who We Call About This Church because of a decision that was made over two decades ago to just follow Jesus. Because God's ways are always best. Not a feather in my cap, not a pat on my back, but a, 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 a praise and a testament to the grace of God, the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, and, and blessings upon obedience. So I encourage you. Praise God for all that he's done. Next, submit all that you have to God, everything. I'm not going to hold anything back from God. Everything that I have belongs to him. I want him to use me and use what he's given me for his honor and for his glory in every way possible. And then finally, trust the path that God has set for you, even if you cannot see where it leads. God, I don't really know how this whole thing works out, but I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to focus on just being a man of God, and I don't know what that looks like, but I'm going to do my best to follow after you, and whatever you choose to do is up to you. God, I, I submit my life to be a woman of God, to pursue you with every fiber of my being. God, I seek to honor you in my, my school and the, my friends that I have and the connections that I have. I want to be known as a solid Christian. I don't know what that looks like, but I trust you with it. God will do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. It's a promise. So I want to encourage you, pursue God like never before. Trust his, his hand, trust his path, and celebrate Jesus this Christmas. There's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again. Today's your opportunity. But for most of you in the room, I know your story of when you come to faith in Christ. And I want to encourage you with this. Pursue him at the expense of everything else in your life, and you'll never be disappointed. That's what Mary and Joseph did. They didn't fully understand it. They didn't have all the answers. Things didn't necessarily work out according to the plans that they had in their mind. But God's ways are always best, and you can trust him. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.